1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, great, in this you greatly rejoice, though now, now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Try not to lose my hearing aids, microphone, <laughs> along with the mask. Life's complicated. <clears throat> my name is Colin, for those who don't know me. I am one of the several retired uh, ministers who enjoy being part of the DAC family. And it's my great privilege to come and share this wonderful passage with you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful scripture. Open our hearts to rejoice as we hear it. Open our minds to receive your truth. Open our wills that they may follow your will. In Jesus' name, amen. What's been happening in your life in the past few days? What's on your mind today as you come here? Anxieties about health? Worries about HSC. I've got a grandson uh, doing HSC this week. Perhaps final exams or assessment, assess, assessments at university. Anxieties about friends. All sorts of anxieties and worries. Or perhaps you've just had a great week and you're looking forward to some joyful activity today. Maybe you're going to meet family whom you haven't seen for months. Uh, we were able to go and see our daughter and her family in the Southern Highlands for the first time in several months yesterday, the day before. David and Marianne have taken the opportunity, now that it's possible for them to go to Melbourne, to go and see their son there. 
perhaps you're going to meet your family today. So whatever's on your mind at the moment, whether your preoccupations as you're here this morning, whether they're happy preoccupations or whether they're tensions, anxieties, I sincerely hope that you'll go out of this time together with a song of praise in your hearts and on your lips. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? I want you to listen to the words of Peter, the fisherman. Listen to Peter, who stood on the mountain and saw Jesus shine with the glory of heaven. Listen to Peter, who wept in shame when he had sworn, I don't even know that man. Listen to Peter, who rushed into the hillside grave where he'd seen Jesus buried and saw that he was no longer there. Listen to Peter's song of praise, and then I hope that you will sing with him for the same reasons that he was able to sing praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. A living Savior gives us a living hope. Peter watched the crucifixion from afar. He was devastated and disgusted at the way he'd betrayed his master. A couple of days later, some of their women friends burst in and told the disciples that Jesus wasn't in the tomb. Peter couldn't run as fast as John. The Bible tells us that. John got to the tomb first, but Peter went in and looked. Jesus wasn't there. Later, by the shore of Lake Galilee, he met Jesus and heard those wonderful words of restoration. Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. The center of our faith is the Savior who on the cross nailed to it our guilt, our failures, and then who broke the bonds of our greatest enemy, death. The center of our faith is a Savior who rose from death never more to die, and who offers us new birth into a living hope. This hope is not a vague wish list. I don't know if you see on television that ad for the lotto or something. Wouldn't it be nice? Mm. This hope is not a wouldn't it be nice. It's the living hope that as Jesus rose, so we shall rise and be linked to him forever. A few weeks ago, David preached an excellent sermon on being yoked to Jesus, Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. I would venture to claim that I'm probably the only person here who's ever plowed with a yoke of oxen. You can tell me afterwards if you've ever done it. <clears throat> you may have seen horses plowing, and my wife, Wendy, her father, when she was young, used to plow with horses, worked on a farm in England with horses, but I've actually walked behind a yoke of oxen holding the plow into the soil. Oxen are still used quite a bit on small farms in Africa, and um, Wendy and I were teaching in a Bible college in Tanzania, and the college had a little farm where we grew food, and they were using a, a yoke of oxen to plow, and I thought, I must have a go at this. 
I was young then. I was only in my 60s. So, so, uh, so I went and grabbed the plow and walked behind the yoke of oxen. Quite hard work, actually. When Jesus invited us to share a yoke with him, he didn't put an end date on it. If we're yoked to Jesus in life, we're yoked to him in death. And he takes us through death with him. He still bears our burden and walks us through death into life. That is our living hope. In the burial service, we use those wonderful words, in sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. It is a certain and sure expectation, not an, wouldn't it be nice? But notice that this sure and certain hope comes because we've been born into God's family. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lasting inheritance. When we came to Australia 40-odd years ago, I was able to buy a plot of land in the southern highlands because I'd received a small inheritance from my grandfather. You'd be amazed how cheap land was in the southern highlands 40 years ago. Uh, so I was born to my father, who was born to his father. So I shared in the family inheritance when my grandfather died. We receive new birth into God's family through faith in his son, activated by the Holy Spirit at work in us. And so we have a legitimate, a legitimate share in the family inheritance. We built a house in the Southern Highlands, but we don't live in it any longer. No earthly inheritance lasts forever. When my mum died later, I inherited a small amount, and I put that into superannuation. Then came the global financial crisis. Remember that a few years ago? Our, our superannuation lost a third of its value. Jesus talked about laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal. Nowadays, it's much more likely to be scammers who break in and steal. Um, perhaps you've caught up with the latest one. The latest one that we've had is a phone call from Australian Border Force, allegedly, saying that uh, they're going to come and get you because of some parcel that has been sent to you, and obviously they want your bank details and so on. Scammers break in and steal. The family inheritance that Jesus invites to share with him is one that is eternally enduring. Peter says that it can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's their only ultimate security. Banks can crash, stocks can tumble, houses can burn down. The house that we built in the Southern Highlands very nearly did burn down in those fires last year. It burnt down the fence and the garden. Our grandson lives there. But this inheritance that Jesus gives us is kept in heaven for you. No wonder Peter says that faith is of greater worth than gold. Gold used to be the ultimate security. It was the basis for banks and even governments. But faith gives us a greater security than gold. 
we share in the amazing inheritance of the children of God, an inheritance that is eternal in heaven. We can't yet understand all that that is going to be, all that we shall experience. It's beyond our human understanding. It will be a glorious inheritance. So, we have great rejoicing in a little suffering. We praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has given us new birth into a living hope and he has given us an inheritance kept in heaven for us. By the way, if you're not actually sure that you have had that new birth, if you're not sure that you're part of God's family, please don't let this opportunity to pass. Please if you're not sure that you are connected to Jesus, talk to somebody today. Pray about it. Ask Jesus to share life with you and to become part of his family. Don't let this opportunity go by. If we're connected to Jesus, he invites us into a life of rejoicing. We live in an atmosphere of praise and thanks. Great rejoicing, says St. Peter. That may sound as though we expect the Christian life to be one long, happy, trouble-free existence, a perpetual sort of party. But we all know that it's not like that, really. Peter knew that his readers were going to face the anger of the Jews, they were going to face the wrath of the Romans, they were going to be persecuted. Life was going to be hard. Their faith would be tested. If they came from a pagan background, they would be tempted to go back to their pagan religious rites. If they were from a Jewish background, they'd be under pressure to go back to their Jewish traditions. When the state demanded that they worship the emperor, they would be very tempted to give in and worship Caesar. Faith will be tested, faith will be pushed to the limits so that it can be refined. Wendy and I once went down a little gold mine and I came out with a chunk of rock that you could see the flecks of gold in. To get the gold out, the rock has to be crushed. And I think I've got this right. It's a while ago, but from my memory, the next stage was that the crushed ore was passed over cyanide through a bath of cyanide, part of the uh, refining process and taking out the impurities. You pass it through a deadly poison. Then the gold had to be melted. And so St. Peter says that gold has to be refined, and so does faith. Our faith may be tested, refined, passed through crushing processes, face danger, and that way it is strengthened. And that's the purpose. St. Peter says, although for a while you may have had to suffer grief in all sorts of trials. <clears throat> and the word he uses for all sorts of trials literally means many colored. So he's not just thinking of persecution. He's thinking about life's dangers and temptations, life's hard experiences, life's disappointments. I think for most of us, the temptations that test our faith are not the obvious temptations to sin, they'll always be there and we shouldn't forget that. But as we go on in the Christian faith, the chief temptations 
that test our faith are the things that cause us to doubt, to doubt the goodness of God, to doubt that He's actually with us, to doubt that it's all true, to doubt that it's worthwhile following Jesus, to doubt that at the moment of death He will take us through to life eternal. Times of hardship can make us doubt and they can strengthen us, which is why God allows them. Uh, last week, I think it was, David talked about John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, a great Christian classic, an allegory. I took down our copy after that sermon and opened it at the bookmark where I'd got to last time I tried to read it. I hadn't got all the way through. I'd got about halfway through. <laughs> that was about three years ago. The title I was given for this sermon in the series was Walking Through Valleys Towards Mountains. And just fortuitously, the passage I opened Pilgrim's Progress to was about Pilgrim and his companions who'd taken a wrong turning which led them to the valley of the shadow of death where the blind lead the blind to destruction. It's an allegory of the Christian life written in the 17th century. And then they came to the castle of doubt, which was owned by giant despair and his wife, diffidence. They were imprisoned for a while in the castle of doubt until Pilgrim remembered that he had the key of the promises of God, which opened the doors and let them out just fitted well with this sermon. And so they came back to the king's highway. The promises of God, the sure and certain living hope of our lasting inheritance overcome doubt and despair and diffidence. Many of you will have grown up in an age of doubt and the rest of us, our children and grandchildren, have grown up in an age of doubt. We didn't grow up in an age of doubt. We grew up in an age of certainties. Doubt. We live in a very cynical age. Most people know little of the Bible and they've been taught to doubt what they do know. They've been taught that it can't really all be true, that it's a lot of mythology, and sadly that's been strengthened by some liberal theologians casting doubt on the truth of the Bible. Uh, people have been told that the Bible's full of inconsistencies. Ask them what they are, and they can't tell you because they've never actually read it, but that's what they've been told. Doubt, skepticism, doubt about the Bible are the spirit of our age. At the moment, I'm reading a book, a recent book by Greg Sheridan, who is the foreign editor of the Australian newspaper. It's a very good book, and I commend it to you, although you have to remember that if you read it, he's actually a Roman Catholic, and once or twice I can't agree with some of the things that he says. But overall, it's a very good book. It's called Christians, the Urgent Need for Jesus in Our World. And he addresses these issues of people doubting the truth of the Bible and doubting the Gospels, and in fact some people thinking that Jesus didn't even exist, it's mythology, and so on. And he gives a very balanced Christian response. He's a very respected journalist, and he writes this. The Gospels read as true. That is because they are true. 
That's what we hold on to. And so Pilgrim, in Pilgrim's progress, Pilgrim and his companions came back to the king's highway and they went on until they could see the delectable mountains. Remember, I was given the sermon topic, passing through valleys to the mountains. Uh, as they saw the delectable mountains, they saw some shepherds and they asked them who these mountains belonged to and they were told, these mountains are Emmanuel's land and they are within sight of his city. And these sheep are also his, and he laid down his life for them. They asked again, so is this the way to the celestial city? And they were told they were on the right way. So in that allegory, we journey through valleys that echo with the sounds of death and the fear of it. We pass through valleys where lie doubt and despair, and we keep our eyes on the heavenly promise. You have been born again into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. At about the same time as John Bunyan was writing Pilgrim's Progress, uh, there was a bishop, um, became the Archbishop of Glasgow, and he wrote this. Even in the midst of heaviness itself, such is the joy, that this joy, that it can maintain itself in the midst of sorrows. This oil of gladness still swims above and cannot be drowned by the floods of affliction. Yea, it is most often sweet in the greatest distress. We go through difficulties and doubts in order to strengthen our faith, and often when we're going through bad times, the joy of God is indeed our strength. By the way, both John Bunyan and this uh, archbishop uh, had lived through a terrible time in Britain. They'd lived through a terrible civil war, and then the rule of Oliver Cromwell, and then the restoration of the monarchy. They'd lived through very dangerous and tumultuous times, so they knew about going through hardships. And they found this joy that can maintain itself in the midst of sorrows, the oil of gladness which floats above the difficulties of life. And many of us have experienced that as well. So, in a little suffering and a few trials, we experience a great power. That's what St. Peter tells us. We don't face trials in our own strength. That is very lacking. Peter goes on to say that through faith, you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, we're kept by God's power until Christ returns and makes all things new, the new heaven and the new earth, which are eternal and incorruptible. So we need to keep reminding ourselves of the mighty power surrounding us. We need to keep relying on that mighty power which comes to us through, through the Holy Spirit, we need to keep praying for that power and thanking God for it. We have a living hope, a lasting inheritance, a little suffering, and a life of joy and a great power, then finally a glorious outcome. Trials have come, says Peter, so that your faith, which is more precious than gold, may be proved to be genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor 
when Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Earlier in this passage, Peter talked about our faith being proved genuine when Christ is revealed. That is, when Christ comes back in glory and power. He's spoken about our inheritance being kept safe in heaven. Now he says, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are receiving it now. This is not one of those inconsistencies that people claim to see in the Bible. The two ideas of waiting for the faith to be revealed and receiving it now are not actually in opposition to each other. COVID has separated many of us from our families. I talked about going to see our daughter. Of course, many of us have known longer separations than that from our families. Uh, I grew up in Africa. My parents were missionaries. I went to college in England. I was separated from my parents for three years. Then Wendy came to Africa with me, separated from her parents. After some years in Africa, we came to Australia, separated from parents, brothers, sisters. Then we went back to Africa, and we were separated from our children and grandchildren. But even when we're separated from our family, we've always known the love of our family. We've never doubted that our family loved us. We've always received some of the security of being part of a united family. We could write letters in the old days, remember those things? Um, and in recent years, emails and then wonderful mobile phones. Then I think the thing about COVID was that made it so hard was that we were separated from our daughter and her husband and children who lived just up the hill in the southern highlands. But we couldn't go and see them so close. But we did go and see them on Thursday and Friday, and our daughter threw her arms around us and gave us great big hugs. What a joy. Even when you're separated from your family, you know that they love you, but what a joy to be together. And so we're part of God's family. We're separated from our Father in heaven for the time. We don't see Jesus face to face, but we're still receiving their love, their strength, their power. We are receiving that salvation now, and we look forward to the day when it will be a coming together. We'll see them face to face. We're assured now of our eternal place in God's home. We're assured of our inheritance, but we look forward to the day when Jesus will be revealed in glory at the end of this age. Then we shall see the end of spiritual warfare, the end of doubt, the final victory of God, sin, death, evil, the devil himself will no longer even exist. All will be light, all will be peace, all will be joy. Our faith will finally and fully be proved to be genuine and will experience in its fullness in the eternal praise to our glorious God. Praise be to the God and Father. I said at the beginning, I want you, whatever life's experiences you're going through, whether they're good or bad, I want you to go out with this song of praise in your hearts. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and into an inheritance which can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful faith. Help us to live in the sure and certain hope, not only of the final resurrection, but of your presence with us now, so that in the midst of joys and hardships, the oil, the oil of joy will float above the sea of sorrows and sadness. Be with us and strengthen us and help us to witness to that faith. In Jesus our Lord. Amen.